0: Looking at a little bit of scripture this morning, um, and then we'll adjourn and have a, a little bit of time before we start our business meeting. And so that's how the morning's going to go. I uh, like the moments just having Steve with us and just knowing that it is worthwhile. He felt the call to come to the United States, even though the hundred children are there with needs that are best served in, perpo- in person, but he's here with us. I was surprised to learn that he's still on call even now as he is in the uh, United States for the sake of his, um, the care that those who are trusting in him for. Uh, so time is really, valuable. like we all have limited time. We don't know exactly what our lot is of the hours and the moments we have. But even now knowing like, all right, we're together. We want to use that time well for the sake of worship of our God together. So I want to use a little time to show you a clip Um, from the chosen that leads into you know, so much of what we've already heard today up here. I would like to pray before I show this, and I'm just making sure we are correctly handling his word and and soaking it in in worship. So let's pray, and then I want to show you something, and it's a lot of scripture today. Father, thank you for your word. Please illuminate it, bring it to life for us, of of exactly um, for it to feed us where we're at right now and our hungers, and that it would actually that we could feel a satisfaction, the spiritual satisfaction, of knowing that we do not live on just physical bread, but we live on the very nature and and presence of our God Um, with us now through your spirit. Let me have your spirit as we handle the words of truth and give us the glimpses of yourself for your glory in this time. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. So this, I mean, turn down just a little bit, but you can leave some of the sound. So this is a scene, I forget which episode, uh, Uh, from the chosen, but it's meant to dramatize when Jesus in Luke 9 sends out the disciples to say, hey, I'm giving you the same power that you've seen in me. I want you to go out into the cities, into the villages, into the people, and I want you to use this power. I want you to understand that you have access to this power, and you'll see on the looks on the actor's faces, as I read this scripture to you, you can see this like, this is amazing that we actually are connected. To this very same power that we've seen in Christ, as they you know, started there's John uh so just illuminated by my God, <laughs> what have you done that you've shared this power with us? And of course this is a different different way than you know what we have today, because Jesus sent them out directly on this mission. Um, so we can't say like, all right, that we we may not be able to do these signs and wonders in the same way that we can see dramatized here. But this specifically, we have studied in Luke 9. I don't know if it was a year ago or what, as we crossed Luke 9, but now we're in Luke 22. But a reminder in Luke 9, it says, And he, Jesus, called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed, and they went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing Everywhere. So I'll let you soak these images in just for a couple more moments here. let the sacrifice. Here we have Peter and Judas, actually, and we don't know who was sent out with who, we don't have a record of that, but in this case, Peter is going to intervene, preach a different gospel than what these people are currently believing, a new message of repentance, Big James and Little James as they're known to be <laughs> the last scene you watch and then we'll move on <laughs> signs wonder, amazement beautiful so the reason we go backwards to Luke 9 you're like are we we're not going To start in Luke nine, after spending you know maybe two years in Luke, like no, but here we find ourselves in Luke twenty two, the the night in which Jesus was betrayed to really start the passion as it's known, and I will prepare you like we're coming up on a couple weeks. It's the you know Thanksgiving season. We get into Advent season, and it's exciting because there's comes with all of this feeling of hope, joy, love, and a special way that culturally we can celebrate and. And as we do that, really here at Fillmore Christian, we're gonna be celebrating Easter. And you're like, well, that doesn't seem right. It's like, well, it is right. Remember what a baby was born for. A baby's born for sacrifice. And people don't like to think about Christmas as a, a tragic event, but there is a um oh, what's the word? It's it's really just a sorrow even as we see the baby and we recognize God come in the form of man because it's like ah we ultimately know that baby's got a bigger purpose than to be heralded as sweet baby Jesus. This is a baby born for sacrifice. And so over the next few weeks, uh, what we'll be concluding Luke as we think about the ultimate reason that baby came, um, which I think is very appropriate, even if it twists a little bit of your Christmas expectations. So that's where we're going here as we get ready to wrap Luke in the next few weeks and so before the end of the year going into 2024. The scripture here, Luke twenty-two, thirty-five 35 through 38. And he said to them, Jesus said to his disciples, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? Did you lack anything? They said nothing. No, they said nothing. They said nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. Quote Jesus quoting Isaiah. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me, Jesus says, has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. And so there are some questions I'm sure you have about this scripture. I often, even when Ken uh, was still here, was very thankful when it would fall to him to do the hardest scriptures. <laughs> you know, when I am like, I don't know. Let's hear what Ken has to say about that. And now it is, uh, I could have deferred to Alistair Begg, as I often have. Um, but what I found in this scripture, and I'll get to a little bit, is that Alistair Begg, John MacArthur, many of the other Bible teachers that I've learned so much from and, and used to help me understand the scriptures as I teach, I've never seen them at such a, uh, a loss also for like, what's exactly Jesus saying here? Um, so I've done my best here to correctly handle the word of truth. I feel like God has illuminated some things in the scripture, particularly talking of the swords. But I think what happens is we hear a word like sword. It's one of the more powerful words in this because with sword we think of violence we think of aggression we think of protection there's a lot that's illuminated in us just hearing the word sword if I say assault rifle you know like in some of you males particularly your heart rate actually increased when I say an assault rifle and it's a similar uh, this is the weapon of the day when I say sword ah, you know it's like we go into that fight mode some of us flight mode um, but that's that's what's happening when you even read that word. I don't think it's lost on Jesus that he used that word um, and that it's recorded carefully by Luke, not only in Luke 22, but also, and that's what I want to say, what can we learn about, what is the truth that Jesus is trying to show us as Luke has recorded and the Spirit helped Luke record this interaction, this this brief interaction here in Luke that we actually get some other pieces of the Gospels as well. So I would like to read, actually, even here. Sword is a a key word in this passage, absolutely. And I don't, there's no way that's accidental or consequential of Jesus. But do not miss the other piece of what's happening here, of Jesus saying, this is how it was. And what we saw in that image from the chosen. This is how it was. But now this is how it's going to be, right? This is what... It used to be like, but now there's going to be a change. And we talked about it a lot here at Fillmore Christian. How comfortable are you with change, right? How comfortable is any human like, this is how it was, but now there's something new, something different than what was. Like change is almost always hard. Even when the change is good, there's even some hardness even like, I know it's good, but it's still hard just because it's different. And it's almost a part of our physiology, our biology, to know that like it's actually a change in the external circumstances actually results in an internal change within us and our creation, how we were created. And therefore, it's, it's different and it, it almost hurts. It takes energy to go from the way one thing was and to like get it to move to something different. So it's not a surprise it changes hard. And you're not weird for that, right? This is the human condition. And yet here we have Jesus setting that up, knowing these boys, these boys of mine, going to have a hard time with it. it. used to be like this. You remember that day when I sent you out? What'd you lack? Nothing, they said. And you can see some of the uh, the dramatized joy, but you can imagine that's probably pretty accurate. How could you see the powers that they got to see when he was sent out and not be like, wow. <laughs> and yet, in that, and where, the, and where the villages were very like, whoa, this is a new message. You have something interesting. I would like to hear it. And we see that even in Paul's journey in Acts, where he's going into the heart of paganism, you know, the Rome to, to Rome and the powers that be. And he's not always met with the kind of disdain and hate that the Jews are showing at him at that time. It's more the Romans like, well, you have something interesting. I would like to hear that before I kill you. You know, like and so that's where we're at a little bit, like, oh, you were saying earlier, and this is very it's new. It tingles the ears. This is interesting. But now we're coming into a different time, Jesus says. And so that's where we'll take it to Luke twelve back. It's like really Jesus to me in this short piece of Luke twenty-two that we're like, What is what's happening here? As I recovered Luke recovered some of the pieces we've gone to. I think he's already explained this, this scripture to us, is my belief. It's the way I'm interpreting this. So let's look at Luke, 22, 12, um, Luke 12, 22 through 13, 5. I'm just going to read it. If you have scripture, you can read along with me. This is the English standard version. Um, but it's, you know, it'll take me a few minutes to read this length of scripture. But I want you to take a little bit of the responsibility here in scripture to see can you hear some of the same themes that Jesus talked about in that Luke 22 35 to 39 to help you get a sense of like what what's he actually saying okay so Luke 12 and he said to his disciples therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what will you eat nor about your body what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing consider the ravens they neither sow nor reap they have neither storehouse nor barn and yet god feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the ground, clothed Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Stay dressed for action, verse 35, and keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service, have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, "Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all?" And Lord said. Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink, get drunk, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know will Cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew the master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to him much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Verse 49 I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it would be already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, it'll be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, and why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right as you go with your accuser before the magistrate? So it's a division in there. It's also uh, translated as sword often in that last piece. And so that's uh, a chunk of Luke 22 for you. So that's sword talk, right? You, we get a little bit of there at the end of that piece of scripture. Also, in coming back to Luke 22. Um, verses 49, we skip ahead just a little bit and we find Jesus in the garden. And it's Judas has led the, the temple guards there to arrest Jesus. And when those who were with him saw what would follow, uh-oh, they're thinking, they said, Lord, Shall we strike with the sword? We remember what you said. It's sword time, baby. And one of them, before they even waited for Jesus to answer, according to Luke's account, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And they're like, either an amazing shot or a terrible shot. One of the two. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So, yes, I was very distracted by the sword talk that we found in uh, verses 35 through 39. I heard Alistair Begg call this kind of a naughty verse. Is the, you <laughs> use the term naughty? It's kind of naughty verses, isn't it? Where we are seeming to get some contradiction from Jesus. I heard John MacArthur in within, you know, two minutes call It's like, well, obviously it's self-defense. And then he says, obviously, obviously it's figurative. And I'm like, John, that doesn't line up what I could hear is like Bible teachers really having a difficult time actually discerning, okay, Jesus, what is it? And so obviously I don't come and say, well, Alistair and John, let me tell you what Wakefield thinks. But I think it's for all of us like, oh, how good to to wrestle with Scripture. What's happening here? And I would say be very careful if you're like, all right, Jesus said, let's arm ourselves and get ready to go. Mostly followed by look what happens here a few verses later. Um, Alistair Begg also points to uh, Eugene Peterson, which doesn't often happen by uh, many uh, more fundamental Reformed preachers, and says Eugene Peterson is the author of the Message Bible, a very paraphrased version of Scripture. Eugene Peterson translated um, when the disciples said, oh, look, here are two swords, and then Jesus says, that is enough. Eugene Peterson, which Alistair pointed to, was saying, that's enough sword talk, (laughs) it's like, oh, you look at the original language and like, that's enough. And Jesus doesn't say the object of that. Says, that's enough. And here we get a little bit of that as well in uh, Luke 22, verse 51. After the act had happened, cut off that right ear. And Jesus said, no more of this. So this being in such close relation in the scripture to Jesus saying, sell your cloak by a sword. Makes me think of like, okay, this is meant here we see sword again in close proximity to scripture. This it, these swords are not meant to say, "Hey, get ready, we've got to fight, we gotta we gotta take the kingdom of God here on this earth by the tip of a sword." But instead, Jesus is saying, "No more of this," and it makes me kind of wonder, like, okay, is in these verses in 35 to 39 it'd be like, enough of that? After he says a sword, and you say, okay, so what? So why did he use that term? Well, that's where we went back to Luke 12 and say, I remember I, I came to bring a sword. But it's the type of division that maybe your mind is having a hard time like, ah. But that hurts us. And especially in that particular context because we said, if there's something about, and I can't, I'm, I'm thankful to have Steve here because it, t- anytime you take the context, you take scripture and you put it across. Scripture is beyond all cultural context, right? And yet, We are able to then apply it cross-culturally. And we think about, okay, what does this mean in a a culture that is just very different from American and Western culture in China, in East Asia? And you think, okay, but I know in Andrew County, family, right? Family is a value. And we get to see, like, yes, care and provision for family. Uh, Absolutely. a love willing to, so many parents, so many grandparents willing to lay down their lives for the sake of loving their children and grandchildren. It's beautiful but it also can be held up as an idol. And so when Jesus comes and takes it to an Andrew County family and say, I will put a sword in between your family relationships, you're like, done. Not my family. In fact, God, if I can't bring my family with me to your kingdom, I'm not sure I want to go at all. And I think God has probably pretty clearly told us in his words, like, then you do not need to come. It is not for you unless you come because you want me, come because you take on Christ. And if you're saying, well, only if I can also bring my family in that. say God desires all to be saved. But if they do not recognize that they are transgressors and come in the full baptism of Jesus and taking on his atonement for their sins, we don't want them to slip in the back door because it defies the very nature of our perfect righteous God. You say, I want them there, yes, but we want them there secondarily to God's perfection being upheld. Because that is the most ultimate reality, is God, creator God in a perfect law, a law that is love because he realized we already have a world that does not adhere to his law and we see what we have. If this is what you enjoy, have it and have it with anyone you think cares about you. But if you want him, then let us love our family by speaking clearly the gospel to them. And therefore they may also maybe God would use us to save them and not bog them down with weights of like, hey, dress up, come to Sunday service, go to nursing home service. It's like, no, fix your eyes upon Christ who has paid it all for you, right? And so that sword is a much harder sword than the one who says, hey, here in Middle America, we're ready to take up Second Amendment. Jesus talking Second Amendment, obviously here, right? Great, let's bear arms, (laughs) I think he's like, oh, look out. He used, used a sword to say, like, might break your family apart. That thing you hold most dear, it might cause you to cast that idol out. So <laughs> be careful with this sword talk. It's like, oh, Jesus, you are, you are cutting through to my heart where I know there are strongholds that still, that in my human sinful nature, are not submitting to Christ. And I, I want him to take those from me where I can see this his goodness in the very hardest things he is talking about. And in the hardest things, we know we're getting ready to see him do one of the hardest things that human that's beyond human understanding actually, is he actually takes on sin and descends into hell on our behalf. Amazing. So taking a deep breath, um, I would like to read. Um we're nearly out of time. We are, I know. I, I want to consider. But I want to read uh, from John 15, which then kind of seals this. So it's Jesus, actually, John taking what Jesus says here, and Luke records on this last night, and basically John's able to say there's more to that conversation. So thank God that he has stated the gospel in four different accounts um, by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So here, this is John 15, starting verse 18, and then we'll close. If the world hates you, Jesus says as he talks to his disciples, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now into John 16, verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. So you remember that change. Like, all right, we we're actually seeing our influence, our power grow in the, the videos I've chosen. But now it's going to be different, Jesus says. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you thinks he's offering service to God, a.k.a. Saul, bring to mind, um, turns into Paul. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember what I told you about them. Pain hurts every time. A lot of time we have pain, and it is a symbol in us. Like I had back pain this week, and it was a it was a uh, recognition to me of like, oh, I should not move that way anymore, and that pain was good in my body. And so, pain, okay, avoid it. Stove, hot. Oh, get back. But as Steve pointed out, there is a type of pain. There's a type of suffering that is bringing glory to God, and it's worth saying it hurts, and I'm going to take the next step as opposed to it hurts and I back away. So there's like a pair, two different paradigms there. With what type of pain is this? Is this godly suffering, or is it a pain like, no, this is totally caused by the fall and condition of man. So they will think they're doing and killing you, um, but remember what I told you. You will not be surprised by this, Jesus saying, I did not say these things to you from the beginning. I was because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled my, your heart. Nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away. The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sins because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I sell have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He'll declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Just a little bit more. A little while, and you'll see me a little longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to another, what is it he says to us? A little while, will I not see him. Again, a little while, he will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew and they, and they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves and what I meant by saying a little while you will not see me and again a little while you will see me? Truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman's giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. And when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, like labor pains, it hurts, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. There's new life and no one will take your joy from you. And that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in the Father of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, you will receive that your joy may be full. I've said these things to you, figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you will ask, that I will ask the Father. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father Himself loves you, because you have loved Me, and I have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world, going to the Father. And His disciple says, "Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things, and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God." I would love to add more to it. You've given me, um, Steve and I, um, time. We appreciate it. We know that your time is valuable. God's created it valuable. So I will leave it there today. If you have a chance to go over the words, you can listen to those words again. Yes, you're like, wait, that was a lot of just scripture. Well, you know that's better than me anyway, right? So um, I will also ask you to try to uh, read Isaiah 53 multiple times over the next few weeks. Um, Isaiah 53 was quoted by Christ in that, uh, in that scripture from Luke. Prepare to see what Isaiah prophesied come to fulfillment as we get to see it in Luke.